This is Checked In with Splash. Hey, y'all. Camille here. I am so excited to bring you this short but sweet episode to walk you through my promotion and pre-event communication strategy for Splash's Magic Spark Dinner Series. Before I dive in, I'll share some context. We recently hosted our second round of intimate in-person dinners for marketing and events leaders around the world to connect, talk through their biggest challenges, share solutions, and of course, build community as we navigate the current state of events and prepare for what's next. This is part of our Magic Spark program, which we've scaled successfully across 12 cities worldwide over the past few months. And after this last round of dinners, I was absolutely brimming with new insights and learnings about scaling small, repeatable events, how to get people to actually show up to your in-person events in a post-pandemic world where, let's face it, attendee behavior is vastly different, and what an effective promotion and pre-event communication strategy needs to include in today's event marketing landscape. So today... I'm going to take you through my process and share how I overcame that shared plight of all event marketers, unpredictable attrition. Let's get into it. So first, I'm going to start with unpacking our promotion strategy. We decided we need to have about three to four weeks from that first invite to the actual event date. This was crucial because people need more time to plan ahead to attend in-person events these days. We got this feedback, you know, we polled some attendees at recent events, and we got this feedback. We also just saw it in our own data from comparing registration from the first round of dinners to the second round of dinners. For the first round of dinners earlier in the summer, we honestly had trouble getting people to register. And, you know, we were inviting people to a dinner that was taking place maybe one to two weeks in the future. So we learned that that three to four week promotion time for in-person events is absolutely mission critical. Of course, we then used multiple follow-ups and reminders via multiple channels. For example, our splash emails, dinner host emails, so emails that were sent directly from our reps hosting the dinners, and then, of course, personalized LinkedIn messages. All right, so if you're wondering what tools we use and how we actually use them, I'm going to pause on unpacking the whole promotion and pre-event comm strategy and walk you through my tech stack. So as you can imagine, obviously used Splash to power our Magic Spark program, and we have a, an amazing integration with Marketo and Salesforce. So we were able to send broad email invites to our database, but with very highly targeted by title, department, job level, we really wanted to be specific and intentional with who we were inviting to these dinners. Having the right people in the room is really important when you're thinking about, you know, return on investment and making sure that you're driving the right outcomes from your events. So as I mentioned, we leveraged that Splash Marketo Salesforce integration. And one of the things I loved about that the most is just the, the visibility and the transparency that, that provided to our sales team. So they could see who is registering for each dinner pretty much in real time. Also, fun fact, we have an integration with Splash and Slack so that we have a, you know, a dedicated channel where anyone in the organization could join that channel and see who is registering for our events, what our reg count is at for each event. And it's just a really 
seamless way to provide cross-team visibility and make sure everyone knows how, you know, registration is going and maybe which dinners we needed to promote more. If we noticed that, you know, we had a ton of registrations for New York City, but maybe Atlanta was lagging a little bit, we could tweak our email promotion strategy, our social promotion strategy, et cetera, to, you know, kind of fill those gaps. Okay, another thing I wanted to break down was our use of the splash waitlist functionality because this was also really key in our strategy. So I mentioned that we decided to do broad email sends to our database. As I said, those were very targeted, but we have a huge database of contacts, right? So even when we get very specific by title, department, job level, those invites are going out to a very large number of people. And so, you know, going back to my point about curating the room is key, right? I knew that I needed to leverage the waitlist functionality at Splash so that we could, one, drive interest from attendees, and two, also ensure that we could curate that room, as I said, get the right people in the room. And this goes a long way, not just in, you know, being able to drive the right outcomes from your events, but you know, related to that, it impacts the attendee experience. A well-curated guest list is essential to creating a great event experience. And it also allowed us to control the capacity for our dinners more effectively. So I didn't need to stress about too many people registering and then showing up. We were really able to see how many people were signing up for these dinners, expressing their interest in attending, and then we could handpick the guests who ultimately, we were able to accommodate at these dinners. All right. Another thing that really helped me in the pre-event process in terms of just designing the on-site experience was that we were able to learn about dinner attendees before the dinners, right? So we were able to learn what they cared about, what their biggest issues and challenges were, and then shape not only our pre-event communications, but also tailor that on-site experience and conversation to meet their needs and expectations. So we did this by adding custom questions to the registration form on Splash. And we asked, you know, what's your most pressing challenge? And then we were able to address that, as I said, in our personalized emails where we were able to follow up, confirm their attendance, and drop a line like, hey, I can't wait to talk about X, Y, or Z. Whatever they shared with us in that registration form, custom question, we were able to then reference that in the emails to them. And it just went such a long way in terms of creating that human connection you know, one of the attendees shared that, wow, you really cared about me. You you saw what I shared in my response and my registration, and you referenced that. And I can't stress this enough. Anywhere in your promotional, pre-event, you know, during the event on-site, post-event attendee journey where you can bring in that genuine human connection, you are going to win. Because psychologically, what you're communicating to the attendee is that you actually care about them. You cared enough to read what they wrote, what they shared with you, and you cared enough to weave it into the pre-event experience, the on-site event experience, and the post-event experience. Those kinds of thoughtful touches really do go a long way in establishing trust and loyalty, right? So next, 
I want to talk about our pre-event communication strategy because there's a few things that it entailed and a few nuggets that I want to pull out and share that really worked for us. So just breaking down our pre-event communication strategy really quick so you can get kind of mental image of what that looked like. So first, we had a very detailed playbook between marketing and sales that we collaborated on with sales leadership to make sure that everyone who was going to be involved in supporting this program understood who is responsible for what, what is the timeline for any action item needed. And, you know, marketing was able to be to work in alignment and sales also knew what was marketing delivering and what was sales responsible for doing as well. So we had that detailed playbook between marketing and sales. Highly recommend it. Honestly, like take the time to figure that out. Take the time to get that alignment. It will it will serve you in the long run in so many ways. If you're a marketer, if you're on the marketing side, your sales leadership will greatly appreciate it. Your salespeople will love it. And, you know, if you are on the marketing side, you will appreciate it because you will know that you're, the people on sales who are, you know, supposed to be supporting these programs are doing exactly what you need them to do, right? And the key thing to remember here is that we're on the same team. We're working towards the same goals. And so let's just get everyone on the same page with a playbook that helps everyone stay aligned. So that was one key element of our pre-event communication strategy. You know, we were able to be very prescriptive of who was sending what email, what days the emails would go out, what they would communicate, what they would remind our attendees of or ask them to do, things like that. Okay, so... Going in a level further there, of course, we had emails going out from Splash. After the promotion emails, right, we have a series of reminder emails that we are scheduling ahead of time and having them go out to attendees in the weeks, days, hours leading up to the dinner to make sure that they have all the information that they need, venue details, parking you know, situation, you know, is there valet? Is it street parking? What time should they arrive? Who else is going to be there, right? That was a key thing. A lot of people wanted to know who else is going to be at this intimate dinner. They wanted to know that they were going to get value from the other, you know, connecting and communicating with the other attendees. So all of those types of pre-event details, we were able to communicate via the Splash email sender. And then also what was part of our pre-event communication strategy was personalized emails from the dinner hosts to attendees. I love to leverage a plain text email that you can also automate through Splash and save yourself time there. And those emails would just, you know, as I said, reference the the response to the custom question that each attendee submitted when they were registering. So we could say, hey, we're excited to talk to you about X, Y, or Z. And then another tactic that really worked for us that people really appreciated was having our dinner hosts connect with attendees via LinkedIn and send a personalized message. And that just really put a face to the company name slash event that we were running. And several attendees shared that, you know, that was like a chef's kiss, like addition to our pre-event comm strategy and really made them feel like, oh, a real human is inviting me to this event. I'm going to show up. Okay, so I promised to keep this short and sweet. And listen, if you have any questions that you want me to dig into in a follow-up episode, I will drop the email at the end of this episode where you can submit those questions to, or you can totally reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know, 
spark up a conversation, ask me questions that you have about how I was able to run this really successful program for Splash. But I want to go ahead and get to my key learnings and takeaways because, as I said, I promise to keep this short and sweet and I can be a bit wordy sometimes. All right, so let's get into it. A more like logistical learning that came out of this dinner series is that I really feel like 12 people for a dinner is like the magic number. It's not too small. It's also not too large. And everyone can effectively mix and mingle. But, you know, folks won't miss each other. And also you can hear what everyone is saying at the table, which is so important. I can't stress this enough. It's so important to be able to actually hear what the other attendees are saying so that you can help facilitate that genuine connection and community, right? And also like maybe address their challenges. Maybe they're talking about something that is their most pressing need. And that is valuable information for you as a marketer to hear that firsthand from a customer or from a prospect or anyone who's in your community. So keep it small. We've been beating the drum on this idea of like, keep it small. If you attended our last Magic Spark Industry Insights webinar, that was actually one of the key insights and takeaways that we shared from folks. Keep it small, keep it IRL. That's where the magic happens. Okay. And also, I just want to note that like, you know, I really think that We had specific attendee experience goals for this event that required an intimate setting. So keep that in mind with everything that I ever say or share. You know, it's always going to be dependent on what your event goals are. And then you're going to tailor your event experience to meet those goals. Okay, so speaking of keeping it small, as I mentioned, waitlisting totally works. And it won't scare attendees off, which I'll be real. I was a little hesitant, like, oof, is this going to like maybe turn people off? Are they going to forget about that they wanted to, to attend this dinner? Nope, they won't. They won't be scared off. They won't forget about it. In fact, it will actually more than likely make them want to attend your event even more. Okay, so that's a key nugget. And the benefits of generating a wait list during your promotion period are, there are a few that come to mind for me. One is, I kind of said this, but I'll just double underline this point, being able to measure interest in the event, right? That helps, first of all, prove the value and help you secure budget for future events. So when we're talking about proving the value of small, repeatable, scaled event programs, leveraging a wait list is a really good, and then having those numbers and that data to point to post-event is really helpful. And, you know, being able to, as a marketer, rinse and repeat events and scale your programs is is a far more efficient way to work than just doing one-off events here and there and, you know, burning yourself out that way and burning out your team. Also, it helps you get that confirmation from attendees that they're actually going to show up. You know, they feel special that they've been selected to attend. Once you send them that email that says we've moved you from the wait list to attending, congratulations, your seat is confirmed, however you want to communicate that to them. But they will be like, oh, yes, I made it off the wait list. Something about me is special. They really wanted me at this dinner, right? They chose me out of a group of people. They could have chosen other people. And that can go a long way. I also think that a benefit of leveraging a waitlist is that it helps you market your brand to a broader audience without sacrificing the size of the event and losing that special magic spark, that intimate 
IRL events offer. So, you know, as I mentioned, we did some broad email sends and we were able to generate really healthy wait lists that got our brand out to more people without having to sacrifice the integrity of the event, which was it was very important to me to keep it small and keep it intimate because I knew that that's where a lot of I keep saying it, but that's where a lot of the magic was going to come from for in terms of like designing an impactful attendee experience. Okay, and then finally, one little tidbit, I've been talking about it, but another reason why it was so effective for us to leverage a waitlist functionality is because we were able to effectively curate the room and work within venue capacity limits. So I've been hearing from a lot of event marketers that, you know, it's just attrition is gnarly these days. It's so unpredictable. And so when you're at the beginning stages of your event planning process, and you're trying to think about your venue, and you're like, well, maybe I want to cap it at 20 people, but am I going to get 20 people to show up? Or what if, you know, 60 people are interested? Like, how do you manage that, right? You want to generate the interest in your event. You want to make sure that you have a full room, whatever, you know, whatever your capacity is, but you don't want to have too many people show up if you're intentionally keeping it intimate and then vice versa, you know, if you, you it's a little bit larger, but you're just really not sure, like, you know, having 50 people interested in your event is very different than having 150 people interested in your event. So with that wait list, you can have 150 people sign up for your event and still not have to stress about your venue or room capacity limits because you can just cherry pick and or, or hand pick the attendees from your wait list guest list and decide, you know, who's really going to be confirmed to attend. Okay, so this is going to lead me into my next key learning or takeaway, especially if you are going to leverage a waitlist functionality. Over-communication is absolutely essential. So whether or not you are going to use a waitlist, multiple touch points is crucial to getting people to actually show up. And I promise you, you will not annoy them. I'll be real. There were a few times during the promotion and pre-event communication process for our dinner series where I was like, oof, are we going to annoy people? Are they going to be over it that they're getting multiple emails? They're getting a, at least one phone call. They're getting a, a personalized LinkedIn message. And you know what? No, they absolutely loved it. And that was one of the main pieces of feedback that we got from our dinner guests is how much they appreciated our communication strategy with them leading up to the dinner. They need the reminders. And what I love about Splash is just all the ways that you can automate that for yourself so that you're not scrambling an hour before your dinner to send out one final reminder to your guests, right? I was able to go into Splash, schedule all of those touch points and emails ahead of time. And then it allowed me to focus more on the maybe other aspects of my pre-event communication strategy that perhaps were more manual. For example, I really wanted the LinkedIn messages to be highly tailored. And so, you know, having a, a kind of generic like first touch LinkedIn message is fine. But then depending on how people respond, you know, the process of following up and responding to people on LinkedIn, you know, through the messaging app is that's manual. I can't I haven't found a way to automate that. If there is a way to automate that, someone please let me know. <laughs> I would love that. But yeah, you know, just being smart about all of the process that I could pre-plan and automate for myself using Splash really afforded me time to focus on the more bespoke manual 
tactics that I really wanted to deploy for this dinner series. And I'm so grateful I did because it went a long way and it worked. Okay, my last key learning and takeaway, which is, you know, the perfect follow-up to my, my last point, personalization has honestly never been more important. I know a lot of marketers are talking about that. We've been talking about it for a long time, but it's not going anywhere. It's not any less important. You know, there is so much noise out there and it's hard for brands and companies to cut through that noise. But real humans can. Real humans, real human connection cuts through the noise, right? So take a human approach. That is maybe one of my biggest takeaways. Send a message on LinkedIn. Send a personal email, even if it's a plain text email that you automate through a platform like Splash. Help attendees meet or get to know the event host or organizer leading up to the event so that they feel more comfortable attending and they're more psychologically like on the hook, so to speak, to show up because they've made that personal connection with you or whoever the event host or organizer is in some way. So personalization, as I said, it's it's never been more important. And so finding creative and efficient ways of weaving personalization into your promotion and pre-event communication strategy will serve you like so much. I cannot stress this enough. All right, y'all. That's it for today. I honestly have so many more insights and learnings about the actual on-site experience of small, repeatable, scalable events and how to wow attendees with your events. But I'm going to save that for another episode because I mean, if this wasn't a ramble, I don't know what was, but hopefully this made sense and you got some pearls of wisdom out of it. I know I'm certainly mulling over everything I just said because I know there are ways that I can take these learnings and weave them into my event strategy here at Splash. I hope that you find this useful for your event strategy. And like I said, let me know if there are any topics or questions that you want to dig into more because I could talk about this for days. All right. Thanks for tuning in. And please write a review if you don't mind for this podcast on whatever platform you use the most. We really appreciate the support of the show and want to continue to deliver valuable content that helps you create meaningful experiences that drive ROI, boost engagement, and tip the scales in your favor. Okay, so if you have any feedback, if you have an event marketing story to share, or you just want to request that we cover a particular topic send us a note. We would love to hear from you. You can reach us at podcast at splashthat.com. That's podcast at splashthat.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. My name is Camille Whitestern. Until next time, take care.